Folks, this is Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we could all do to live a better life if times get tougher, even if they don't. Coming to you once again from Hot Springs, Arkansas, actually Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, high atop the ridge line of Highway 7 in uh, Hot Springs Village. And uh, today we're going to do the long-anticipated, I think long-anticipated by the audience anyway, show on silver. What the hell is going on with silver? What's happened with silver? What's going to happen with silver next? Do I still recommend it for your asset portfolios, given its catastrophic fall from grace and all the other good stuff like that? Today is uh, May the 10th, 2011, and this is episode... 661 of the Survival Podcast. And before we get into uh, the main topic, let's go ahead and take care of our housekeeping. Housekeeping item one is always, let's take care of our sponsors. They do a- to help take care of you. And sponsor of the day number one today is Harvest Eating. That's uh, Chef Keith Snow. We're going to have him back on the air soon because he's a great guy. And Chef Keith used to be like an executive chef at one of these hotty totty places in uh, Aspen, Colorado, and decided he'd had enough of that and bought a little farm in the North Carolina mountains, and now he runs HarvestEating.com, and he focuses on teaching people just like you and me how to cook with seasonal foods uh, from our backyards, from our gardens, from our, uh, you know, from our CSA, from our farmer's markets and things like that. He's an amazing guy, and he's taken you know the high-end flair and made it simple so that everybody can participate. And hey, you know all that weird stuff I talk about growing, like you know orach and Swiss chard and kale and all the stuff that you don't generally buy at the supermarket. Now you're growing it, and you wonder what to do with it. Chef Keith will help you figure out what to do with that. So check out HarvestEating.com today. Next up today, emergency essentials. I can't tell you how important it is to make sure that you have a good long-term food storage component in your survival plan. Yes, eat what you store, store what you eat. Yes, grow a garden. Yes, can your own stuff. But do you know it's so affordable to make sure there's at least 60 days or 90 days worth of food ready for your family in any and all conditions with shelf lives of 10 years or more? It's actually really easy and affordable to do today. You don't have to do it all at once. You can do it a little bit over time. And Emergency Essentials is one of the great places that you can do that. They even have a great food storage calculator to help you figure out what you need and a great knowledge resource as well with a tremendous number of articles on getting started with emergency planning. Again, they are Emergency Essentials, and they are located at BePrepared.com. You'll find them in our show notes today along with HarvestEating.com. And remember, the best way to always make sure you're dealing with an official survival podcast sponsor is to check the right hand margin for our sponsors banners and click on one of those and you'll know you're dealing with a real sponsor that's been personally approved by me and the ad council to be recommended on the survival podcast next up today do consider joining the member support brigade you do that you get exclusive content available only to members you get discounts from 25 different vendors you get a bunch of free ebooks it's a good deal and you're supporting the show remember if you are prior service military or 
active duty military, email me before you join. I'll give you a special code. We do take care of our veterans and our service members here at the Survival Podcast. Also want to remind you, check out the gear shop, check out the forum, check out Facebook, check out YouTube. All that stuff's available at the survivalpodcast.com. And when you have a comment on a show, when you're specific to an episode, go on over to the survivalpodcast.com and comment in the show notes for that episode. You don't even have to give your real email address if you don't want to. I'd rather we have our discussions there in the open when they're episode specific. It's not that I don't read your emails, but that way other people can participate in the discussion and we continue to grow the community. Again, reminding you about the forum because that's a great way to be part of this community. Facebook, too. I know some of you guys aren't into Facebook that much, but I'll tell you what. We have a lot of fun over there, and uh, you'll be surprised how awesome Facebook is if you actually give it a chance. With that, let's get into the main topic of today's show. I want to frame this show by starting out with not an article, not somebody's opinion, not somebody's a question, just kind of some history of silver prices as a whole. And I'm sitting right now on a website called uh, Monix, which is probably, I don't actually, I've never bought from Monix, um, but they are one of my favorite sources for information about silver. And uh, I really like to use their charts. I just like, they have a three-month live, a six-month candlestick, a one-year close, a five-year close, and a ten-year close chart. And they don't give me as much information as some other technical analyst sites would, but it's a very simple way to always have the information there, and it's why I use them. So I'm not endorsing them or anything. I just like their charts. And a uh, nice little scrolling thing at the top that shows the current live prices of all precious metals, gold, platinum, palladium. So I just like them as an information resource. And I'm sitting right now, and I'm looking at their 10-year historical closing prices for silver Uh, right now. And I'm looking back around 2002, 2003, all the way up into the beginning of 2004, and I'm looking at silver prices between $5 and $6. Uh, toward 2004, we start to climb into the $8 to $10 range. Right? I want you to think about that when you hear about this massive drop. And I am looking at You know, recently, a line that goes almost straight up with a few little hitches in it, followed by a line that almost goes straight down. But that number, it sits around $36, $37 where the line starts to go straight up and goes right back down there to straight down. And what we've actually seen in the past day or two is some stabilization of that price. Silver didn't continue to fall. It's sitting at... As I'm recording this, and I'm recording this a day before you're listening to it, I did two shows on Monday to get a bunch of shows done this week while I'm in town, uh, $37.43 on 5-9-2011 at 11.41 a.m. Central Standard Time. So nobody can critique that my price wasn't accurate. It was at that time. So if something was at $6 in 2004, if it was at $4 to $5 in 2002, And today it's at $37. Has it fallen in value or has it had a dramatic rise in volume? And the reality is that silver's had a dramatic rise in volume. And I'm going to go through some articles today, and one is going to make a case that if silver sits down, you know, drops down to $20, $25, it's still the case. And it definitely is. In fact, we'd still be in the middle of a bull market at that. I want you to understand silver could lose $10. $12, $14 today, 
And we'd still be sitting in the middle unless it continued to fall of a bull market. If we look at the overall picture, and I think that it's important when we analyze things like silver and gold, we look at five, ten-year fluctuations. It doesn't mean we can't get burned as an investor. And to tell you guys the truth, when silver started trading over 40 bucks, I didn't buy a penny of it. I didn't buy an ounce of silver over $40. I didn't really buy any in the high 30. I didn't buy any where it's at right now. Because I didn't know. And that's kind of what I was telling you guys is it's always a good idea to add some, but you know, major purchases when it's like this, you know, you just is it gonna keep going? I don't I don't know, but it it seems like we're getting to a point where the price is a little bit too high. Right? And it just seems to be running away. But let's start out with that historical viewpoint of five dollar silver in two thousand one and thirty seven dollar silver today. And let's not look at this latest drop as some catastrophic uh, misery. In fact, let me point this out. Um, let me pull into a, a tighter, confined uh, area here. It's a, uh, a six-month chart. You had to have bought silver after about March 25th, 26th to have lost, to, to be back where you started at. And to really have lost a significant amount of money, that all happened within a period of about three weeks. Anybody got really burned on silver, really burned, had a 20% loss or something like that, bought and, and lost it within three weeks. Anybody that bought before that is either in the money or close to where they're at and, and, and everything's okay. Now, does, does that mean I don't think silver's going to go any further down? Actually, no. I'm going to tell you today that I actually see silver prices continuing to contract Not as dramatically as they have. Now, that doesn't mean it won't, you know, maybe we're going to see $25 silver again. We might. We might see $24. And I will buy the ass out of silver at $22. I will buy it like crazy. $24, I'll buy a bunch of it. $26, I'll buy some. $28, I might buy some. $29, maybe, depends on how long it stays there. And what the indicators say. So you, you kind of see and feel my range right now for what I'm seeing with silver. But let me go back to the three-month light, and I know you can't see this, but what I want to point out is that silver hit a recent a recent low of about, this is where I'm not a big fan of these charts, they're a little bit hard to read on this level of resolution, about 33 and some change. But silver's sitting at 37 right now. Silver found a floor. At least a temporary floor. I want to talk to you about in investing, whether it's silver, it's gold, it's Cheerios, or it's you know Ford stock, or it's uh, it's carpeting companies, or whatever. When you're an investor, there's something that you look for called a floor, and that is a point of support in the market where once a commodity or a stock or anything that you would spend money on falls below a certain level, buyers will step in. And that buying support creates a floor. Here's the problem with floors. They're notoriously unpredictable. Um, they have durations. So you can have a floor that lasts a week or a month or six months, and it can still fall through. But the longer it lasts and the more historical reference points of that floor you have, the better off you are. The reality is silver hit, hit the same floor in this $33, $37 range, Uh, back in March, before it made a, that big super run up, it was up in like the $37, $38 range, and it fell down about $34, $33. Dollars. 
and it hit a floor. And you, if you look at the chart, especially a three-month chart on Monix, and again, I'll have links to everything I talk about today, you can see a, it's a short floor because it immediately begins to kind of go back up. We can go into a one-year look, and we can see multiple little floors. Every time silver went up to a point and fell back, but we have to remember about all of these floors that we've seen so far. They were all part of a continuous run, and silver has basically been on a bull run since about September of 2010 until today. And if you look at the one, uh, if you, in fact, let's let's look at let me broaden this out for you. I'd really tell you that that silver's been on a, a good bull run since about January 1st, 2004. And there's a moving average increase all the way along through there. And that means that that floor that we're seeing right now, that $32, $33 floor, may not last. That's, that's my, my technical analysis, just a pure technical analysis. It's not sufficient, and it doesn't have enough history for it to be there. Where's a solid floor in silver? Uh, going back to 2006, there's a solid floor around $12 to $14. Bucks. And uh, then coming into 2010, there was a solid floor around $18. And those are, those are long enough duration to see as, 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 a, as a solid floor. If we look at the moving average, I'm saying that your, your, your solid floor in silver right now is somewhere around $24. Could be $22, could be $26, could be $29. Depends on what the market will bear. So there's an overall context, technical analysis, Some points that I would start buying again. Now, this is one thing to understand about where I'll buy and where I won't buy. I have a lot of silver holdings already. And I have a lot of silver that I have uh, purchased when silver was in the $10 range, the $6 range. I have silver that I've taken for services. I've charged for silver instead of money in certain situations. Uh, I take silver for the MSB. So my cost basis in silver is down in the $10 range. And I have a bunch of it. And it's all worth three times what I paid for it. And how much did I sell in the recent spike? None. I sold none. Do I have regret? I don't. Is it because I think it's going to go right back up there? No. It's because I have that silver specifically for a long-term goal of wealth preservation in the event of inflation and monetary collapse. So... If you're sitting there and you have none, would I say that you shouldn't buy any silver at all right now? No, but I'd say don't make major purchase of it. Keep a really good eye on it. And if there's a, if, if it goes up like 10% a day, ever, ever, if that ever happens, don't buy it that day. Wait, it'll come back down. If you look at the charts, if you look at it, every time there's a big spike, there's a drop, even if it resumes. So you got to put that in context when I tell you I didn't sell any and I have no regrets. Let's say that I had invested a lot of money in a silver ETF, which I didn't do, and I, this is a regret thing. I kind of wish I had. Let's say I had, I had uh, $50,000 in a silver ETF, and I had purchased that in the $30 range. When silver was up and getting close to hitting 50, would I have sold it? No. You know why? Because by the time it was at about 44, it would have already been gone. When something takes a run like that and you're holding it as an investment, you Dump it. You harvest the, 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 the increase, right? There's different classes of investments. And when it's a long-term investment for like retirement or it's a short-term trading investment, when you get that kind of a gain, you harvest it. Let me explain why. 
let's say that you and your financial advisor, if you can find a decent one, or you on your own have sat down and figured with your income and your savings and your money that you believe that you need an average return of about 8%. And if you get an average return of 8% with your money, uh, you're going to meet your retirement goals no problem. So then you buy into an investment and you get a, to make this easy, a 32% return. Okay? Uh, if we amateurize that, you made 8% over four years, even though you just made all that money right now. If that is an investment with the real potential to now go down, if I, if I, if I divest myself of that investment, I harvest that 32%, especially in a tax deferred account. I now have that money free for the next four years and I can go very conservative with it and look for another really good buying opportunity and in the meantime I can put it into something conservative that makes four or five percent and effectively I can make that one investment take care of my needs from that money for about seven years by harvesting four years now and going more conservative with it and waiting for that better opportunity. That's what you do with an ETF. If it's silver, if it's gold, if it's timberlands, I don't care what it is. You trade it like a stock or you trade it like a mutual fund. And this is not day trading for those of you that think this is market timing. And no, when you hold it, I don't care what's going on. When you hold an investment and it goes up 60, 70% in, in a year or less, you get out of the investment. If it's a paper investment, it's easy to do. It's quick. It's a sell order. And you put the money aside, and then you figure out what you're going to do with it. You harvest the profit. Why did silver drop? Because that's how investors think. And when it made that run, they harvested their profit. We'll get into that a bit more. Um, on that note, I want to read something to you from the Growth Stock Wire. This is written by Brian Hunt, who is an editor for Stansberry and Associates. And those of you who have heard me talk about Porter Stansberry before, I do not like him. I don't believe, though, that all of the information that comes out of his organization is wrong or incorrect. I read it. I look at it. My problem with Porter Stansberry is this nonsense, this absolute freaking nonsense with, um, with this End of America video and give him thousands of dollars and he'll tell you how to become rich. Uh, the guy's been lit up on, on a number of charges uh, before. But again, this is solid information. So I'm clarifying why I'm using this as a source. And I'm clarifying, I think it's fine for you to use Growth Stock Wire and Stansberry and, and, and all these other things as sources. But just like I talked about yesterday, how you validate things with common sense through your own personal networks and research, please do that with any source. But use caution if you're going to go here. I have to... I have to kind of say that because I'm going to go here and I don't want that to imply endorsement. All right, but let me read this to you. Um, and this came out on May 4th, 2011. So this is very, very recent. And this is after the, the, uh, the, uh, the big, well, most of the drop. It's, uh, it's not when the hold, actually it's kind of toward the bottom before we hit that little mini floor there. Uh, after skyrocketing nearly 150% in eight months, the metal has fallen as much as 16% in the past three days and more than 7% in just one day. Silver stocks are going through even bigger swings. During wild times like this, it's important for silver owners to keep the long view in mind. By that, I mean studying the long-term direction of the asset rather than getting caught up in the day-to-day -day headlines. In silver's case, it's important to note that the metal was trading at less than $5 an ounce in 2003. It gradually tripled in price over the next four years then spent the next several years trading in the volatile sideways position. 
The credit crisis caused a huge correction, which was followed by a huge rally you see below. And there's a chart showing silver between 2001 and uh, just a few days ago, basically. What most folks don't consider about a situation like this 10-year-long view of the general price trend, when you stand back from all the daily hype and look at the general trend in silver, you see the metal could fall all the way back down to $20 to $25 an ounce and still remain in the confines of a bull market. So if we take all of the highs out and all of the lows out and just say if it was here then and here now and what is the average in between, is this a good performing investment? And the answer is not only is it good, we would call it a bull market. I completely agree with Brian's view of that. It's also worth remembering the fundamentals driving this uptrend haven't changed one bit in the past six months. I'm back in the article now in case you didn't realize it. The U.S. government has taken on so many unfunded liabilities and so much debt, it cannot possibly pay all back with sound, honest money. It must pay the debt back with devalued, debased paper money. This is causing real money, like gold and silver, to march higher. These monetary metals are simply holding their value in the face of reckless government borrowing and spending. That's why if silver drops down to $20 to $25 an ounce, the seasoned investor will ignore all the hype and buy more. Good trading, Brian Hunt. Beautiful article. I completely agree. I'm going to put a link to this. There isn't a single part of this gentleman's analysis that I disagree with. Does that mean that it's absolutely impossible that somebody could invest in silver at 25 bucks if it goes there in the future, that it could ever go back down into a more typical sideways pattern and, and be back down 12 to 18 bucks? There's risk with everything. Of course it could happen. But when we're investing, we have to look at what is the, what is the trend and what is the potential and what does history teach us and what's going on and what's, what are people doing? And again, I want to make a very clear delineation here between types of investments in, and this is any metal, whether it's silver or gold or palladium or platinum. I handle the way I look at physical metal completely different than the way I would look at something like an ETF or a mining stock. The entire reason that I hold metal is it is the most unregulated uh, and it's the most anonymous form of wealth that I can hold that's easily traded. I can go to places and I can spend silver. I promise you, there are people that if I walk up to them and say, I want to buy that, and they say, well, I want uh, $1,000 for it. And I say, well, silver's trading at X today uh, based on the spot price. That's how much you can sell silver for as basically expensive scrap metal. This is the lowest price you're going to get for silver. I have right here in front of me X number of ounces of silver time that spot price, that's a thousand bucks. You take silver for that. Anybody with a brain is going to go, uh-huh. Because either going to hold the silver and go, that's a windfall on silver, or they're going to walk their happy little ass right down to a metal dealer and they're going to exchange that silver. Now, since it's a thousand dollars worth, will there be tax consequences? Yes, but they're going to report the sale. Right? But I'm out of that paperwork trail. Unless it's a car or something like that. It's anonymous. It's portable. It's a lot of wealth in a small package. You know, I can carry around a thousand dollars worth of silver, not in my pockets. It's changed. It's fairly substantial, but relatively easily. With gold, that goes to a, a different level. So I want you to understand that when I talk about holding metals, if it's in a fund, if it's in a paper classification, I put it right there with any other stock, any other ETF. Physical metal, I see completely differently. It is in case the shit hits the fan. And it doesn't just mean the shit hits the fan for the whole world 
and the investment market goes into decline and the dollar dies and everything else, then we're going to hear a counter-argument against it saying that that can't happen, which I don't believe anyway. But even if that doesn't happen, it can happen to you. It can happen to you individually. And there can come a time for any person where they would need a significant store of wealth that they can rely on that allows them to conduct business anywhere in the world anonymously. Silver and gold are the only things in the world that do that with a very steady price. In other words, I know what an ounce is worth. I can find it out anywhere in the world. I can look it up, and I can know I'm getting a, a fair deal. Something like diamonds and rubies and stuff like that, some of you guys email me about, it's a subjective value. It's cut, clarity, color, and it's also not, it doesn't move as a commodity the same way. It doesn't work the same way. It can't work the same way. Um, the next one I want to read to you is by the same, or actually from the same source, Growth Stock Wire, but this is by Jeffrey Clark. And uh, he actually references Brian Hunt's article. This was written a day later. Uh, so I'm going to just read the whole thing to you because I think this is another great analysis here. Uh, Jeff Clark says on Thursday, May 5th, 2011, four days ago, actually uh, five days ago considering I'm doing the show a day early, uh, that's why if silver drops down to $20-$25 an ounce, a seasoned investor will ignore the hype and buy more. I love that line Brian Hunt wrote in the Great Growth Stock Wire yesterday. He's right. Seasoned investors know buy low and sell high. But what Brian doesn't doesn't tell you is that if silver drops to twenty or twenty five dollars an ounce, the average mom and pop investor will be jumping out of the window. I know this because silver's at thirty nine dollars an ounce, and my voicemail is already filled with panicked messages from friends asking, "What do I do now? Should I buy? Should I sell? Help!" The silver trade blew up this week. It was bound to happen. The trade was too crowded. Everybody was making gobs of money as silver hit new high after new high. To the moon, silver bugs cheered as the precious metal went parabolic. But parabolic moves are unsustainable. They always end badly, and silver was no exception. Just four days ago, silver peaked above $48 an ounce, a 170% gain from eight months ago. It has since lost about 20% of its value, or about $10 an ounce. And they have a little chart showing that very thing happen. The chart doesn't look all that bad, especially if you bought silver last September. It's the folks who bought it last week who are in pain. Of course, if you took my advice last month when I warned that silver was trading much too far above the 200-day moving average uh, to offer a good trade, you avoided the pain. Yes, you also avoided potential profits that could have been made if you were quick enough to get in and out of silver during the second half of April. But at least you stayed off the emotional roller coaster. So where do we go from here? In previous years, when silver has rallied more than 50% above its 200 DMA, okay, it's its moving average, it always came back to at least test the moving average line, the blue line in the chart above. History suggests that will happen this time as well. The process should take at least a few months as the price of silver falls and the 200 uh, DMA climbs slightly higher. It won't be a straight line shot lower for the metal. In fact, after a recent volatile sell-off, silver is oversold, poised for a temporary short-term bounce. But I suspect once the bounce is out of the way, silver will have lower to go. My advice today remains the same as it was last month. At the very least, silver needs some time to consolidate its recent gains. The best case is the metal could hang out here for a while and give the $200 uh, moving a 200-day moving average a chance to rise closer to the current price. The worst case is silver could be headed for a nasty correction. Either way, if you're thinking about buying silver, you either get a safer entry level a few months from now. Uh, either way, if, you, if you're thinking about buying something, you'll likely get a safer entry point uh, a few months from now. Best regards and good trading. And this is, I've saved this because I want to talk about this now. 
there's what's called a moving average. We have a 100-day moving average. We can have a 30-day moving average. We can have a 200-day moving average. We can have a 1,000-day move. There can be any moving average. And that just says, if I look at this commodity and I average its pricing across this total period, what does that curve look like? And if I look at the 200-day moving average, which is a good moving average to use with all the volatility that's in silver, you don't want to go too far back. Um, you'll see that the moving average is about 2750 right now. So if it followed its moving average over 200 days, it should be trading at about $27 an ounce. But it's sitting up at $37 an ounce. So what this analysis is saying, and it's very easy to misunderstand if you don't realize how this works. If you wait right now, either the moving average is going to come up, okay? So the moving average is going to be closer to the actual trading price, Because over time, if the, if, the, if the price stays there, it's going to push that average up. Or silver is going to come down to meet it. So if you're thinking about buying right now, um, this gentleman, Jeff Clark, is saying, wait, you're either going to get a better price or a safer play. I think he's also right. That's why I'm looking for silver, $27, $26 an ounce. I really am. I'm looking for, I'm looking for it to come down. Uh, maybe a little faster than Jeff is. If it does, great. If it doesn't, then I don't think it's going to go start shooting back up. What he's telling you is what I'm telling you. There's time now, right? You, you don't chase it. You don't chase something on the rise. Let it fall. Let it fall itself out. I think you'll see silver bounce back up into like 40 bucks, and when it does, it's going to drop again. That's that's what I see coming right now. Um, just, again, don't feel like you've got to do this. Now, again, I want a certain amount of silver in physical metal in my possession. So if right now you were buying, you know, a couple dollars worth of pre-64 coins uh, a week with some extra, you know, money you, you skipped out on a couple six-packs of beer and you spent 20 or 30 bucks a week to, to do this, would I be okay with that? Yes. But I would not make major purchases right now for the exact reason uh, that's going on here. More on that note. As you guys know, if you've listened to me in the past, I think George Soros is 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 just maggot. I do. I think he's one of the lowest forms of life on the planet. But I do not, for one second, underestimate his his connection to the financial industries, his ability to sway things, and his ability to see things, and the people he employs. And basically, what I'm saying is he's a he's a, just a douchebag, but the man's a financial genius. And when he does something, it not only affects the markets, but we need to pay attention. So MarketBeat um, has, from the Wall Street Journal, has out a story, Soros funds selling gold, but unconfirmed. Let me read this. Uh, great story in this morning's journal on how some of the savviest investors in the world have been positioning themselves around the precious metals boom. This is May 4th, by the way, this article came out. Perhaps the most interesting bit is how George Soros' fund uh, has been easing out of the gold trade. Gregory Zuckerman and Carolyn Cube report. While many who buy gold do so to protect against future inflation, this is the extract from the article, Soros Fund Management bought gold to protect against the possibility of the opposite, debilitating deflation or a sustained drop in consumer prices. But now, $28 billion, the $28 billion Soros firm, which is run by Keith Anderson, believes chances of deflation are reduced and eliminating the need to hold as much gold according to the people close to the matter. Uh, people familiar with Mr. Anderson's thinking said he believes the Federal Reserve's continuing to pump money into the system has reduced the likelihood of deflation. The Soros team, meanwhile, isn't especially worried about the surge in inflation. Mr. Anderson has argued by the end of the year the Fed will signal that the interest rate increases are uh, in, in the offing. Uh, 
possibly as early in, in 2012, according to someone close to the firm. Higher interest rates would tend to suppress inflation. The Soros Fund has sold much of its gold and silver investments over the past month or so, according to this person. So it's insider report. So remember what I said about before I put too much credit, I want two sources. Um, well, I won't read the whole article to you, but there's another article very similar to this uh, on Forbes. So I've got the Wall Street Journal and Forbes reporting the same thing. That gives us more credibility, especially since it's this unnamed source. But I do want to read something from this article to you uh, that's very important that we understand that. This is one paragraph. If true, it means that Soros' gold position first accumulated in 2008 when gold was in the $850 to $900 an ounce range made him and his investors a return of at least 60% to 70% over almost three years. Other gold investors believe the continued weakness in the dollar will attract more gold investors like the Central Bank of China, Russia, and India who see the precious metal as an alternative to paper currency. Okay, there's actually why George Soros and his firm sold their gold. If you make 60% to 70% on something, just like I said about silver making 170% on it or making 80% on it or 70% on it, you sell it. You harvest the profits. So now they have this cash. And you look at silver, you look at gold, and we can see a pricing correction because they were driven. When anything drives up that fast, you know a correction's coming. So these people put their cash in reserve so now they can figure out what to do next. And, as, and if it comes down to where they see a floor and they don't know what else to do it, they'll go back in. These are high-end traders that know what they're doing. They create the market. They don't chase it. So by looking at a position where you have somebody, these, these billionaires, you know, a $28 billion fund dumping gold, that tells you this is not time to buy for you. That's not the time to buy for me. So that makes the, the last little analysis we looked at seem like a pretty good thing. Um, I want to talk about something people are uh, kind of spinning into being a conspiracy to, to, to suppress the silver price. You know, Before it was the J.P. Morgan short position and, and what have you. But now, here, I'm going to read this to you. This came out, uh, where's the date on this? There's no date. Uh, May 3rd. So a few days ago. Silver prices extended declines in Asia today on Tuesday, sliding nearly 2% after the main U.S. metals exchange raised the margin requirements to 11.6%. The third such hike, the third such hike in, a, in a little over a week. July silver fell 88 U.S. cents, or 1.9%, to 45.22 per troy ounce in midday trade in East Asia. On the COMEX division of the New York, New York Mercantile Exchange, according to FactSect, initial margin requirements for silver were increased to 16200 per futures contract from 14513 per futures contract, which probably means nothing to most people out there. CME Group said the statement released on Monday afternoon, maintenance margins were lifted to 12% from 10750 uh, from 12000 to 10700 from 10000 We're lifted to 12,000 from 10,750. The revised margin requirements will take effect on the close of business on Tuesday. So what they're saying is the people, all the people, the evil people, raise the margin requirements on silver to push the price down. No. Silver was in a bubble. What is margin? Margin is where you borrow money to buy an investment. So basically, they're charging you more to borrow money to buy the investment. Why? Because they saw the drop coming. And this was not manipulation of the market. This was protection. If you're going to go out and play in this game, it's gotten a whole lot riskier now. You're going to pay more to play the game. So these were big traders trading massive amounts of paper silver and being charged more to do it with somebody else's money. 
Because what will happen, an investor maybe has a half a million dollars, but he's got it tied up in some stocks. So he'll want to borrow money to play silver instead of sell his stocks. So he'll use margin to do that. That's all that was. Anything you hear about it that says it was uh, it was some kind of conspiracy or this is what really brought the price down, it's just wrong. It's it's fictitious information. It was the the financiers saying this is the, the game's too risky for us now. We're going to pull back now. Did that have an effect? Sure. Some people looked at that as a sell signal. When the financier doesn't want to loan money to buy this stuff anymore at the existing rate, they're projecting a decline, therefore I'm going to jump out. Again, I just want you to really think about the difference, though, between having you know, a thousand ounces of silver or 200 ounces of silver, whatever you're comfortable with, as a long-term security uh, policy for your house versus trading your, your, your retirement uh, funds and ETFs. It's a very, very different world. So overall, I think we can sum up my position this way with silver right now. If you're thinking about buying weight, um, I completely agree with the one analyst I read that you're either going to get a safer play or a lower price in the very near future, and I'm talking three months or less. Um, I do still feel bullish on silver overall. I think it's a great part of your asset portfolio, and I'm not telling you to sell it. Uh, if you have significant gains in paper silver that can be easily traded, I think now is a pretty good time to harvest that. But I do think holding on to your physical reserves right now is, is good advice. Let me bring, to be fair and balanced like Fox News says they are, uh, the other end of the story. And this is uh, uh, submitted by a, a, the online handle for this blog, Asia Blues. And it says, physical silver investors are being hoodwinked by the futures market. And it's Dion L. Chu is the uh, actual author of this. Uh, the silver market is in a bubble stage right now. No one really knows how long it will last. I want to be fair to this guy. He called the crash because this is 426-2011. If you would have listened to him then and dumped your silver, you would have been smart. Uh, you'd also be sitting right back about where you are. Uh, whether silver goes up another 5, 10, or 20 doesn't really matter for investors who are buying the physical metal in the form of coins because when the bubble ends, they're going to be sit, uh, sitting on a depreciating asset. Sure, long-term silver will be worth more sometime in the future compared with the average price of the last 30 years but the, in the next 30-year segment, but silver prices have risen far too fast and short of time for a sustainable longer term. Um, Hot money, easy come, easy go. I'm just going to read parts of this because it's really not that great of an article, but it's some good points. I have news for you, physical buyers. Those are not buy and hold investors. They can uh, go just as quickly as they come. Remember, the futures market is determined by fund flows. And right now, there's been a lot of money been made in a hot commodity market. But markets, especially commodities, are very cyclical in nature. When money flows into these instruments during parts of the investing cycle uh, and out during others. Physical buyers holding the back. However, the physical buyer of coins is not looking to flip these investments. They're going to hang on to the physical coins for five years or more. Guess what? You've seen how fast silver can rise. You probably know it can fall just as fast. But one element that physical silver buyers of silver are missing is that they're buying at the top of the market uh, at many standard deviations above the average price in the past 30 years. I don't think most people here were buying a lot of silver at 50 bucks, though. I really hope you weren't. Miami condos and silver. This is a recipe for disaster and no different than buying Miami condos at the height of the housing bubble. If you're flipping the condo and you're lucky enough not to get stuck holding the bag is one thing, but uh, to have bought a Miami condo just before the, uh, the uh, fell off the cliff is another matter entirely. Whenever prices on any asset go up as high in such a short time span, it is a bubble and unsustainable. And no, I'm not calling for a top silver price. 
But what I'm saying is that the silver market is in a bubble and unsustainable unless a couple of doomsday scenarios happen, which is always a clue for your investing outcomes. If you need a doomsday scenario to have a long-term profitable trade uh, that you're going to hold for five years, then you really are putting on a low-probability trade. And he goes on and he just keeps talking about basically saying the same thing over and over again. And on his bullet points, I think there might be a little bit of a language issue here. But um, here's, here's, let me just read his conclusion. I'm not trying to rain on anybody's silver parade. Anyone who knows where the top, uh, and, and, and who knows where the top of, is in silver. But don't get caught up in the hysteria of another Wall Street trade. Remember, the silver market is just another trade for Wall Street. They don't have any special affinity for the shiny metal any more than they had for subprime mortgages. And when the writing is on the wall, they package the assets up and pawn them off to other bag holders. The silver market will be no different. When they're done with this trade, they will run from the market faster than they came. And if you bought physical silver based upon meteoric price rises uh, in the market, end up having assets decline in value by more than half of what you originally bought it for. So you can buy a silver American Eagle today for over $50 and have it be worth less than $20 in the future. See, the problem I have with him there is he's saying that he knows that it's going to be worth less than $20. I see the floor, which in other words, the support point, way above $20. Um, I also, he also goes into things about, let me see if I can find this real quick. The U.S. is no Greece or Japan. Yes, there are a couple of scenarios where holding physical silver might be profitable five years from now. If the U.S. goes into default, a very unlikely scenario, given our incredible resources, and the fact that when we get serious about cutting the budget, even with a modicum of discipline, we'll be fine. Uh, we spend like drunken sailors, and that can be fixed. The real problem, if you can't produce revenue, and the U.S. has only scratched the surface of producing technological innovation, which means we have a lot of revenue-generating capabilities. A lot of countries cannot say the same. The U.S. isn't Greece. The U.S. doesn't have an aging demographic population like Japan either. We don't have an aging demographics population. Uh, baby boomers, dude, I don't know what you think. The U.S. has a spending problem. If worse comes to worse, the U.S. will just have to cut back on military spending. <laughs> What an optimist. And with how far ahead we are of every other country in terms of military spending and expertise, there's a lot of budget tightening room to spare in that area and many other areas. When push comes to shove, the U.S. will get their fiscal house in order. Dollar devaluation will be limited. Now, on the other commonly referred to doomsday reason for holding physical silver, the old dollar devaluation argument, well, I have news for you, silver bucks. All currencies around the world are devalued with time. But the dollar is not going to be any more devalued than it was last year when QE1 ended. The dollar index was in the 80s. The U.S. is not Zimbabwe either. The currency fluctuates depending on several factors, but silver investors are taking a very low period in the dollar. And extrapolating this level of deterioration pays forward in the next five years. It doesn't work that way. Okay, I'm going to stop there. But basically what he's saying is, well, the dollar will get stronger in the next five years. I mean, they just pumped trillions of dollars in with QE1 and QE2, but once they stop doing that, it'll just strengthen again. Um, I, I'm not as bullish on the dollar as this guy is. Uh, I don't see the dollar getting a lot stronger. If the dollar's going to get stronger, that means that you're supposed to, this guy's telling you you're going to pay less for gas electricity, and bread in five years. If you believe that, run away from silver. Just run away from it. Just don't, don't even have a silver ring. Dump every single... Because if that's true, you're going to see the silver price go back down to eight bucks or lower. Okay? But do you believe that between now and five years from now, between now and 2016, what happens in 2016? 
What did we learn about that year yesterday from that crazy Jack Spirico guy? Oh, that's right, that China would become the number one economy in the world in 2016 and that the U.S. would be making a comeback as a manufacturer because their currency would have been weakened to a point where it makes them more attractive as an exportation economy because of the devaluation of that little piece of paper called the United States dollar. This is why I'm still positive on silver. This is why even though I see a greater price correction coming than where it is today, I'm still positive on silver. So let's say you ask me, Jack, well, since you see a price correction coming, if I'm sitting on uh, 500 ounces of silver right now, should I go ahead and sell it and just wait for the correction and buy more? So I go from 500 and let's say it drops down by 20%. Well, I can buy 20% more. Um, I, see, my problem then is you're completely exposed. You don't have that insurance policy anymore. If you're feeling sellish right now and you're sitting on 100 ounces, sell 50. If you're sitting on 1,000, sell 500 or sell 20% or you know whatever it is. I'm not saying the hard number, but I'm saying you don't have to sell it all to sell some. It's fine to take some profit. But, again, I want you to understand that, you know, it, <laughs> there's this the, the concept of holding that. It, it would be like selling off your food. Right? Not quite as dire, but there's a reason you're holding it in that format in the first place. And playing that trade in between, you don't know that you might not come into a reason for needing it. There's, there's some reasons that you might want to have physical metal that I don't specifically state. And hopefully you can read between the lines with that. Okay, But it's not about Armageddon or the end of the world as we know it. It's about having a need for an anonymous currency that holds value, that can be traded anywhere in the country or anywhere in the world for other things that you need. It's not about barter at the end of the world as we know it. It's about barter for you when you might need it the most. Maybe you're in some trouble. Let me leave it at that, okay? Because we prepare for disasters based on the order of probability and the least number of people affected, the more likely you are to be the one that's affected. Right? Job loss affects one person and their family. Most likely disaster to go into. I can't go any deeper than that. I don't want to be seen as giving any illegal advice. I'm just saying, having an anonymous form of currency has value. So I'm not for liquidating it. If you're holding a silver ETF and you purchased that when silver was trading at $18 an ounce, why haven't you sold it? See, I see it totally differently. And I know you can make a logical case the other way around, but it's not going to work with me because different motivations, right? And I'm only talking with the physical metal, maybe 5% of your wealth. And maybe if you become a very, very wealthy person, maybe it's even less than that. Maybe more of it's in gold. I don't know. But there's different motivations, so there's different ways that I'm going to evaluate that. So hopefully this has been an informative show for you. I'm not going to stretch the time just to make it meet an hour. We're going to wrap up now. I think I've conveyed to you what I need to convey. And that is that we're in a, in a dynamic in time where the United States economy, based on what I told you yesterday, is in some real trouble. Based on what I've been telling you, and if you wonder why you should believe me, look at everything I've told you since June of 2008. And with a few notable exceptions, like missing the, the crash in, in oil and gas prices, that was the one that I just totally blew. That's about it. And I'm willing to admit where I'm wrong. It's about the only one I totally blew. Everything else I've called on the economy, I've called accurately. Not because I'm a genius, because I actually pay attention. 
That's, that's the only reason. And I use common sense and I use my networks. I don't have insider sources. I have other people with common sense that do their research. And collectively, I think we've done a pretty good job. And I think when you even have the International Monetary Fund saying, this is the future of America, we have to say, well, what does the future of America mean for spending power, the dollar's power? Will we see interest rates go up? And that was the other point that this naysayer made, that if you have money tied up in silver, let's say you bought silver at 40 bucks, and silver's now down at $15, and interest rates go up to 5% or 6%. Well, you'd be better off selling the silver and making the 5% than sitting there holding silver while it languishes. But you wouldn't be able to afford to take the loss. If worse came to worse than it happened, of course you could sell and take the loss. You could take the loss as a capital loss. And you could still make your 5%. You know, people that think that way, and this is what I want to end with, is don't think with potential loss and potential earnings and greed based on something that used to be. If you wouldn't buy something today for what it's selling for, sell it in general. If you want, if you have some other place to put the money. So if you were sitting there going, well, it's only $20 an ounce and I paid $30. I can't afford to sell it. Boy, I sure wish that money was over here at this guaranteed interest rate of 6%. Well, no, then you make the trade and you do it. If you, if you, you know, unless you're going to hold it for that, that insurance policy that having that physical asset is. And that's, that's why I hold the physical metal. Right. That's why I view it differently. Hopefully I've conveyed that as well. But the big thing I want to, I want to end with on any investment. If you buy something at 20, it goes to 60 and it drops to 50. There's a mentality of I have to hold it till it goes back to 60. No, you still have a lot of profit in there. Please do not be afraid of profit in any of your investments. If there's enough profit to warrant it, there is a time for taking profit, especially in things that trade easily by making a phone call or doing an electronic entry and putting in a sell order. There's a time to take profit. And folks, when you have 100% or 170%, right, 90% profit in 90 days or something like that, that's a signal to take your profits. And don't, and if you take your profits and it goes up another 20%, you still did well. The people that chase get hurt. Remember the old saying, pigs get fed, the hogs get slaughtered. Okay? And that means we can do very well for ourselves. But when we get greedy, and when we start making decisions that are irrational based on potentials, we get hurt. I don't want to see anybody hurt. Hopefully you have a better understanding of the silver market uh, and how to analyze these things and where we're at today, how we got here, and where we're going. Hopefully you have a better outlook on the United States of economy. Uh, tomorrow I'm coming with you to, to you with how to save money for yourself. It's all from the audience, some amazing tips, some amazing resources. So tune in tomorrow, and it might even be Thursday as well. That's so much stuff, so many ways to save money. Here's the beauty. I think anybody that listens to this show or if it turns into two shows on saving money for from the audience, you're going to hear some stuff. You're going to go, I'm just not going to do that because I read some of it when I'm not doing that. But I can see why somebody would. You're going to read some other stuff and go, it's not worth my time. Or you're going to read some stuff and go, I already do that and then there's nothing there for me. But you're going to find three, four, five things out of all this that you can go, that's easy, it works for me, and I'm going to do it. And I think the average listener with these two shows is going to be able to put somewhere between $100 and $200 a month straight back into their pockets and therefore straight back into their savings and their preps and therefore accelerate their move towards total freedom from the systems. And with that, this has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't.
Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, when we follow all the rules. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. Revolution is you.